get all my sniffles out of the way. One, two. Hi, welcome to Rocks Where It Sucks. My name is Carl Kuhn. You may know me from my various music projects, Museum Mouth, Gay Meat, or my slight involvement with the band Say Anything. Hello, my name is Becca High, and the years start coming and they don't stop coming. T, 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 T. And today's exciting because we're joined by an iconic guest. We're actually joined by none other than Tim Crisp. Tim Crisp, how the fuck are you? Hey now, I... <laughs> I'm doing quite well, Carl, (laughs) Becca, thank you for having me. Literally, of course. Wow, this is actually just a spoiler alert and kind of a moment of transparency. We just recorded an ep about uh, the execution of all things by Rilo Kylie. And while we were recording that episode, we were like, man, we should really do the Desaparecidos record. And then mm-hmm. I hit Tim up about coming on the pod, and Tim instantly was like, let's do the Desaparecidos record. So... Kismet, cosmic, but here we are today, gathered on Zoom, to discuss Read Music, Speak Spanish by Desaparecidos. Um, Tim, what was life like for you when this record came out, or when did you first hear about it? Oh, what was life like? We're gonna avoid <laughs> that question, because this was, <laughs> this was high school for me. But... Was high school bad for Tim Chris? Oh, is high school good for anyone? True, I guess true. you two explore that question a lot on this podcast, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this solely dabbles in nostalgia, and this is kind of, we only talk about music we were into in high school, so. Well, I, my, so my origin story with Read Music, <laughs> Speak Spanish, I, I didn't even think about this when I chose it, but I was thinking about it when I was listening to the record, and the, uh, the first time I heard this band was on MTV2, actually they had like a feature they used to do these like short things about different bands that would air on mtv2 like during the commercials Mm -hmm. and they were it was the desperacitos and i was like well this band seems pretty cool and at the time all my friends had just gotten into bright eyes it was like all that saddle creek stuff started coming in but this will be a thread that runs through the episode I didn't really want anything to do with that. (laughs) I don't know why. What was your jam? What if you weren't listening to Bright Eyes? What were you listening to in this era? Probably the Smiths. Okay, I just gotten like. I mean, I I was always like finding new things, whether they were current or like older stuff too. So I think that I was like a little bit bent out of shape about the fact that like all my friends had gotten into this person that I didn't tell them to get into. <laughs> it was probably part of it. But also, like, like there were a lot of pictures of, like, Connor Overst that I was, like, starting to see make, it, make their ways onto, like, notebooks of my friends. And I was like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> not that guy. Yeah. Um, why not Morrissey? Um, but... <laughs> That's actually so. You mentioning the MTV2 thing is funny because I have talked a lot on this podcast about how I was raised by music videos and I found out about a lot of bands through MTV2. Mm-hmm. Famously, I was just thinking about this in like kind of like a pre internet world. I only found out about the Mars Volta because of an MTV2 spot like that that That's had like so funny. Th- the brief music video for Inertiatic. And I was like, oh my God, that looks like Cedric from At the Drive In. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I was like, but this song is insane sounding. And now obviously the rest yeah. is history. Oh, it is history. <laughs> you and you and the Mars Volta history. <laughs> All right, Becca, what was life like for you when you first found out about Desaparecidos? Uh, when I found out about them, I have no idea when <laughs> that was, how I got there. Don't know. Probably through <laughs> you, to be honest. <laughs> TTT. Because when the album came out, I was nine. So um, <laughs> much like with the Rilo Kylie record. Um, but I don't remember Graham ever listening to them. But also, you know, my memory is a little shaky. So who knows? Interesting. I feel I'll like I found out a. Yeah, we'll have when we have Graham on the pod, we'll do damage control and ask him. Um, but so I think I found out about this record personally um, through a friend named John Berna, who kind of like taught me how to be like a DIY self recording freak. Um, and it was funny because I had I was a huge Bright Eyes fan, and I somehow this just missed me completely. So when he was like, "Oh yeah, Connor Obers has like an actual rock band, like capital R rock band." I it just boggled my mind and then I like played we listened to this record together and I was like this is everything I've always wanted Bright Eyes to sound like and they just never (laughs) have um so it was very like sonically formative for me and to this day I like still use this record as like mix notes for museum mouth stuff because it just it sounds so good which is funny because I bring up museum mouth stuff in my notes (laughs) on some songs on this album Okay, scary, but love that. Um, but yeah, okay, so uh, up top, just some funny, weird stuff about this record. Um, I read online today, I had no kind of, since I absorbed it after the fact, I had no idea that it kind of lined up with uh, 9-11. Oh. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I've like read a couple different weird things saying that they were actually tracking this record the week of the planes hitting the towers um but then also on genius.com our literal favorite website in the world genius um it says that the record was heavily inspired by that which i don't think that would make sense timing that's some no that's some friggin' person that's reaching yes there there is a song about like going off to war but that's like every white man who writes a song (laughs) straight white men really do love to sing about war it is so weird um is is the genius website like brown for you today instead of yellow and black it's yellow (laughs) i don't know time to get a new monitor yeah that second monitor you got the one you pulled out of the trash i'm gonna take a screenshot and send it to y'all because i think it's like i it's going with the album art color scheme. Oh. So I think it's on purpose. You Anyways. hope it's on purpose. Um, but so that was just like a weird thing that I didn't know really kind of coincided with this record. And then I also did not know that David Dondero produced it. Whoa. Yeah. The geni- genius told me that. So then I went to All Music and it was confirmed he was like involved with, um, I guess co-producing this actual album i thought for sure it was like a mike mogus thing but he just engineered it that's wild that's interesting because nothing about this sounds like david dondero except for connor's vocals which just inherently sound like david dondero yeah it's weird i also david dondero is one of those people that i always just kind of thought was like 
synonymous with himself. Like I thought he was always only famous because of D- David Dondero. I didn't realize that he briefly played drums in This Bike is a Pipe Bomb. I learned a lot about like classic indie rock today. <laughs> I, um, I had no clue about. Becca, what are you sharing in the chat? I'm sorry. I sent the wrong <laughs> screenshot the first time. <laughs> my, the second my iMac, one. My iMac has a like toxic relationship with the app preview. So I don't know if I can even open these it's images. It's the second screenshot shot you're supposed to look at um what is even the first one? Oh my god it's from a zoom meeting for more <laughs> <laughs> oh whoa it is weird that the top like the banner just blended in with the art i don't think the website finished loading for you it's been open all day also what am i looking at in this second screenshot from work it's a zoom meeting with my uh supervisor but what is that program that is rx i've never seen that before that is what i work in when you're or when you're cleaning up audio very extensively (laughs) tim do you have any experience with rx on your gorgeous sounding podcast the rx bandits (laughs) (laughs) what if um, I don't think I've ever even heard a song by that band. That is hetero music. That's not for me. I saw them open for Newfound Glory at my very first concert. <gasps> my very huh? first show. I capital S show. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. What mm-hmm. was your first capital C concert? Just out of curiosity. Well, probably Lucinda Williams in Central Park with my parents when I was like four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, iconic. You Yo, have like... totally. You have actual music cred. Yeah, I we we called out to her. And I was on my dad's shoulders, and she waved. I think that's what Car Wheels on a Gravel Road is actually about. Is just that time that she saw me on my dad's shoulders when I was four years old, and don't really remember the moment. <laughs> I love you going on record on our podcast to say that. that <laughs> wow, your legacy. That's so beautiful. I can't believe we're talking to an actual famous person. Um, <laughs> Famous muse, Tim Crisp. Okay, so before we dive into the track listing, we typically talk about the um, the critical response to this record, at least with a couple, with reference to at least a couple of music reviews. I only read the Pitchfork review, and it literally pissed me off so fucking bad. Is it like, is that real, or is that like a creative choice? I think it's a creative choice, Okay, which is so cringy it makes me want to jump off of a bridge it sucks so bad someone got paid to write that mm-hmm. for anyone who's unfamiliar it's phrased the entire record review is phrased as if the writer is um he's adopting like a, a pseudonym and he's writing the review as if he was someone writing into pitchfork about the review like as in like he's writing in about the critical response to the record already it is so fake heady and unnecessary and just so stupid like that era of pitchfork writing is so it runs the gamut of good to bad to ridiculous and this is like way out there in the ridiculous it just sucks ass yeah and then gave it a 4.6 yeah which like (laughs) but their review i'm just like um what you don't explain it at all um but that's followed up by um, Ian Cohen reviewing Paola. <laughs> Friend, Friend of the of pod, the pod. Ian Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I, okay, I don't, I mean, obviously we're not talking about Paola, but There's, I remember. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you please, no, you please go. 
There's a Vice article that is from 2018 that is very good that I suggest reading. It's it's pretty long, but um, yeah, it's like uh, let me see, let me see. I have it open. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a column called Pity Party and is brought to you by Lauren O'Neill from Noisy UK. It's very good. Highly recommend. I didn't I didn't read the noisy thing or the Vice thing. Was that in was that during press probably for payola was payola like 2017 2015 holy shit than that yeah i saw them on that tour they were fucking great they were so good was that with joyce manor opening no i don't remember who opened it definitely wasn't joyce manor i would have known about that um but they played in chicago and they played this entire record and then like some songs from payola but one I remember was introducing like maybe the last song and Connor was like, I wrote this song when I was fucking poor living in this like crappy apartment, yada, yada. But I'm so rich now, but it's still true. And I was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say before. <laughs> he is such an interesting figure and person. Um, He's a weirdo. He's really, I saw, I had a really funny interaction with him backstage uh, during Better Oblivion tour two years ago, and it just felt, it was exactly like what meeting Connor Overs would feel like, I think. It was really strange. He was talking about how um, the cherry blossoms in D.C. are so beautiful, um, but they're like cursed because we got them from Japan after Pearl Harbor. And I was just like, I would have brought up the show Brain Dead, which is very good and goes hand in hand with the cherry blossoms that bloom in DC. Oh, you don't know anything about it's that. a very overlooked show that was on Amazon, I think. Oh, okay. Highly recommend. There's a really loud. I'm sorry, my windows are unfortunately open today, and there's a huge motorcycle going by. I just want to know, like, what other facts he brings to different cities about. Like, does he have? Does he have one of those lines for every city that he's on? When he's on my tour? friend Caroline does that. She does regional banter at shows. She mm-hmm. opened for Los Campesinos in D.C. and she was like, "Any senators in the audience?" <laughs> <laughs> but okay, on that note, let's dive into the track listing, shall we? Yeah. Okay, well, the record opens with a song um, that has an insufferable title, and it's called Man and Wife, the Former, in parentheses, Financial Planning. Let me just say that, like, all of these song titles, except for the dollar sign one, are bad. (laughs) I kind of agree, (laughs) But that was 2003, like, really long, like, elaborate song titles were so fucking in. That's true. Panic the Disco. I automatically think of Look Mexico. But that's a different genre. Entire (laughs) book or a song title. It took me. I like. I think John Berna, the same person that introduced me to this record, is the person who like clarified to me that all those Look Mexico song titles were Vin Diesel quotes or someone. That's tight. I like that band more now. I, yeah, I never knew. That was one of those things where it's like, wow, that went way above my head. I also don't, 
I like Vin Diesel, but I don't watch movies. Um, There's that great Instagram <laughs> filter that you can use where Vin Diesel is hugging you from behind. Yes, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this song opens with something that uh, I didn't realize drove me crazy, but revisiting it as a 30-year-old, the little samples of the people talking at the beginning is wrong and a little rude. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy for saying that? I don't think that there's a good sample on I mean except for like <laughs> except for the ones that are within the song, but like those first two that open up are yeah, they're mean. Yeah. <laughs> they're a little they they kind of are objectifying and I think dare I say slightly misogynistic in 2021. Uh yes. Um, <laughs> do you know how old he was when this album came out, Connor. Well, first. they it came out in two thousand two. They recorded it in two thousand one. How old is he? Do the math for me. Oh my god! Stop. I literally had to use my phone calculator to figure out I was nine in two thousand two. You know, I'm about to use my phone calculator right now. All right, so two thousand and. Two, 2001 minus 1980 he was 21 years old i hate that <laughs> yeah, i hate that bad and there were so many bright eyes records out before at that this. point yes because was did this come out before or after lifted around the same time right oh God, so many. Questions. I'm so sorry. I, to no, be no, 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 no. I try no, not no. to look at the internet when I'm like recording because it makes my logic scared. Yeah. But he back. To, what I kind of started to to say was that like all my friends liked Bright Eyes, and I was like, no, no. And then I saw this thing on MTV too about Desaparecidos. They're from Omaha, so I kind of like brought it to my friends, and I was like, check this out. This is like good music from Omaha and they were like that's the guy from Bright Eyes <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, fun fact Lifted was recorded in December of 2001 so he recorded this Desaparecidos record and then immediately recorded Lifted mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah I will say musically this is I love every song on this record musically that's just a yes. spoiler alert that I will touch on with every track um but I don't, I don't know. There's like some kind of, there's some cute imagery. There's some like love and like kind of fighting for love imagery I like. But in general, the anti-capitalistness of all of this is so heavy handed and like gaudy and not very, done eloquently. Very much from a <laughs> cis male perspective. And a very suburban one as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, uh, Yeah. I reading the lyrics I was like oh my god this is like arcade fire the suburbs all over oh, again no. when it's like when you're not actually oppressed all you can sing about is capitalism and like urban sprawl and stuff like that <laughs> I kind of feel like there's like some there's some kind of cruel like like poking fun at people that have modest goals in this like god forbid you want to just literally be happy and not be a tortured artist yeah i think it's like the last song he's singing about like wanting to buy a house and i'm like that's literally why i just moved 
out of the Bay Area because I want to be able to buy a house one day. <laughs> yeah, literally, God, this is like, I mean, the epitome of being 21 and writing music is like, I'm never going to be like that. And then, you know, suddenly you're 30 and you have problems and you literally just want to ease your anxiety about existence. So I don't know. In general, musically, this song rocks. I think lyrically, it kind of sucks ass. So I'm going to say this song is just fine. Famously, Tim's songs can be just fine. Okay. So that's for each of them. It rocks. It sucks. Or it's just fine. Yes. Or if it's really, really good, it can fuck. Yo, this this song is really good. It doesn't fuck. um, (laughs) But I feel like the... Once it gets into that, like, pre-chorus part, when he starts yelling, Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you need money, my love, I will cover you. That shit is so good. And this chorus is so good, too. He's got, he's singing in that high-ass register. Mm -hmm. Top of his vocal range. Mm -hmm. I'm down. The yelling at the end, they remember when we wanted that. That shit is good. Yeah, I definitely like have have Jones. I have been that person finger pointing in the crowd to the song before, but I just simply from a songwriting point of view now, I'm like, I am glad I didn't write this when I was 21. (laughs) 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 All right, shall we move on? Tim, do you think this song rocks? I think it rocks. I said it. I said it. I uh, big agree with you, Carl, in terms of like, I like the musicality of this song but the lyrical content makes it fine (laughs) hell yes okay track two is a little song called manana i will say up top i love this song musically this is my favorite song musically on this record yes this is the song that i brought up uh, in the Riley Kylie episode that led us to say, oh, we should talk about this band. Um, <laughs> yes. Because I, f- I forget what Rilo Kylie's song it even was that perfectly transitions into Manana. Oh, I, me too. It wasn't Capturing Moods, but it was the other one like that. Um, I love how heavy this song is. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Tim, Tim, go first. Tim, how do you feel about Manana by Desaparecidos? It's so good. The fucking one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I love that this this is a very of the time thing that this band has that keyboard in it. There was that stretch of time where like every band had like a visible keyboard player, like the Get Up Kids, Blood Brothers. There, Motion that's every City band. Soundtrack. Yep, mm-hmm. Motion City soundtrack too. Um, but yeah, I love the fucking way it comes in. I love the verses, how distorted it is in that, like, just insane vocal melody. (laughs) One of my favorite parts on the record is in this song when he's just like, water, water. (laughs) Yeah, this, this song fucks. Yeah, this song absolutely fucks. I love in the second verse during the, like, after the water part and you hear the little voice in the background do the change each mm-hmm. I'm like, ah! I always thought that line was changing tires. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll love this even more. Um, but I always thought at first when he says like air and water, I thought he was saying Aaron Waters like a name. 
And I was like, who is Aaron Water? And that is now my drag name. I love that. Oh, wow. Because Aaron. I think he repeats it right after that. And I had the same sort of philosophy that Carl does and that you can't repeat the same line like back to back. You shouldn't. I, <laughs> I, I frown upon that myself, but a lot of people love to do it. <laughs> what was the song that we were picking on doing that where like every line ended with the same line that the next line started uh, with? Like, Best Coast. <laughs> oh, okay, enough about that. Um, yeah, I think this song absolutely Fucks, God. Uh, yeah. This song slays. It's mixed so well and interestingly, especially his vocals. I like the back and forth of like the effects they put on his vocals. Yeah. And he's screaming, which I, my favorite parts are when he's like full on yelling. Yeah, his voice, I feel like he and I have similar voices where they sound the best when they're like at the top of their range and they're like full, you're full out like going for it. Like long suspended, like like sustained notes in my like lower register are so creaky. They There's no strength to them. <laughs> Carl, I was that, literally thinking the exact same thing just based on the conversation that we just had on my podcast, better yet, uh, available wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts. Um, <laughs> but... You, you, and I were talking about Max and how your vocals just sound best when you're going full tilt. And this record is like nothing but from the homie. There are like a couple lines later on the record where he gets down into like the less intense area of his vocal range. And it is funny how warbly the notes instantly become. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yes, yes. Wow. This song absolutely fucks. Okay. Okay, okay. Track three, Greater Omaha. I need to read the lyrics to this one real fast. Well, it starts off with an even worse sample. Talking on the streets with somebody. Oh, that's the end (sighs) of Manana. Right, into into, into this. And then the guy's just talking about like there's a Starbucks coming in and then I don't know if they're smoking weed or something because yeah connor's got like a weed cough going but also just like listening to him be like so that like w- like all the other shit like shocks perfect example no more shocks like where are you from dude why are you talking like you fucking are in the movie clueless it also like it feels like bad it feels like bad script reading in my opinion it does doesn't it i see the scene i was strictly listening to like the sounds going on (laughs) i'm like okay here's someone is has a lighter they're attempting to light something and then the weed coughs so i'm like okay they're smoking a joint now there's someone off to the side with a disposable camera turning the little thing that rewinds it or I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, and taking pics. And then Connor's just like... Chain stores are yeah. bad, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. Also, Tim, the first line of that spoken outro is, Omaha isn't Chicago. I think you're being a little... You're exaggerating quite a bit, actually. God. Oh, why does he say that? What does that even mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Chicago rocks. It does. I mean, we put fucking... We, 
we watched my my wife and I watched The Fugitive last night, and that takes place in Chicago. And there's like that parade scene, and all everything that's like you know very quaint and old city like in that shot is all a chain now. It's all like just done up with everything. So, but that's not like something we're known for. I don't know what he's getting at. <laughs> I don't know what he's getting at. Yeah, I don't know. Omaha is like cool. Every time I've ever been there, I've had fun, but it's like I don't there's nothing about it that makes me like live or die for it. But I guess everyone has weird reverence for where they're from at least a little bit or where they, you know, hit their peak. Oh, you have the fluorescent yellow now or orange now, Jean. That's so pretty. Mhm. Wow. I'm sorry. I am. I love colors. Okay. Yeah, that's anyway. a very Carl color. <laughs> Track three, Greater Omaha. Um, we obviously had that beautiful spoken word thing kind of leading us into uh, the thesis statement of this song. I don't really... Becca, how do you feel about this song? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the standout part is that like breakdown before the very end where it's like, and then he goes woo and then it speeds up again and it's like it's so good um and this song reminds me of the suburbs of it all and like oh my god our hometowns are being taken over by department stores so sad this is oppressive um I do like the airy synth that's going on in the background here. You can hear it a bit better than what's going on in Manana. But um, I think I'm able to, like, as I'm older and actually sitting down and reading the lyrics for the first time in my life, it just makes me sigh a lot because the instrumentation is so good. And, like, that's why this record, I think, is so good it's because i never paid attention to what he was actually saying yeah this is like <laughs> i definitely probably only got between 40 and 60 percent of the lyrics back in the day and seeing 100 percent of them now i'm like oh boy <laughs> um <laughs> but there's there's at least there's like some pretty imagery in this mixed in with uh, i guess the general um malaise of it all but uh, I don't, Tim, how do you feel about this song? Fucking love it. I I think that this is this is one of those where I I mean I listen to this song in my car driving through the suburbs. I can't take away the hard identification that I had with it in that moment. It's totally. I mean, it's kind of like looking back at yourself, like when you're in high school you're kind of abrasive you're kind of like at least i was oh my god i didn't even my i told you that bright eyes story i was the worst (laughs) punisher vibes um but i don't know i think that for me the the words are just so like in there that i don't even really like register them anymore i just register the way that he sings them and he could be singing anything on this song in particular but like the I don't know, he's got this way of delivering things that sometimes it sounds like he's like gritting through his teeth, like to fit more SUVs. <laughs> yeah. Um, the teeth don't move. Mm-hmm. But then he'll like, you know, he'll go really up high in his register with 
you know, no more stars in this cattle town. But I love this song, like, from the moment those guitars kind of come in, that that, like, muffed out bass, just mm-hmm. <laughs> And I love that woo, too, that you mentioned. <laughs> Anytime someone, like, inserts a woo into a song, that's the measuring stick. It's Greater <laughs> Omaha by Desaparecidos because it sounds yeah. so good and so off the cuff. And obviously they planned it, but it's just like, yeah, yeah. It feels it feels earned, <laughs> which it is does. great. It yeah. does. Glockamora did that shit. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, not a good enough move <laughs> for me. No way. The basketball buzzer sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um, <laughs> I agree. There's a lot of energy in the performances all across this song. I think, especially vocal delivery, there's so much. Like, you can you can see him doing this on stage or in a basement just in listening to it, which is really great and really cool. He's an amazing performer. I think everyone in this band is clearly um, amazing performers. It's a very energetic performance in general. Um, I, there are some lines I really despise. Uh, the one about going to college... Where it's like, okay, yeah, I only did a year of college, but still, like, don't don't hate the player. Like, this was of that era where, like, all kids were being forced to go to college. Um, this record, like, is really mad at its mom, like, all the time. Like, and you know what? You shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> mom, you're miserable. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is the most, like, that I think of the Connor Oberst uh, cinematic universe. And it's, it's unfortunate because it is the best musically. It's the best. It's the fucking it's so best. Good. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so, so good. That like the ethos I stated on your pod, better yet saying that like I wanted to play Stars Light by At The Drive-In. This is like that, but just a hundred times. And I love it. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I didn't realize that he's saying about the come and go in this song. So shout out to that. I think this song rocks. So come and go is a real place. Yeah, it's a it's a real gas station slash like truck stop. Oh, okay. It's like um, worms and coffee. <laughs> yeah, but different. <laughs> <laughs> I think the song rocks. Yeah, it rocks. Slay ma ma. Okay, track four. Man and wife. The later it's goods. Ladder? Later? What? Ladder. I'm sorry. There's Ladder. two T's. Okay, I'm an idiot. I have a low <laughs> IQ. <laughs> no, you don't. That is an easy mistake. Musically, this song is so good. Oh, so I'm bad. sorry to yeah. it, the first down tempo moment, and it's just like mm-hmm. gorgeous and atmospheric. It's literally kind of groovy and funky. Mm-hmm. He, he writes better when it's from a woman's perspective. Like, those first three lines are so good. You think that this is from a woman's perspective? Yeah. Like, the first... Okay, so the first song that's Man and Wife, the former, that's from his point of view. Oh, and, and this is Man the... Man and Wife, the latter, is the from la- her The later, the latter, yeah. yeah. Okay, wow, you're right, you're right, you're right. I know. Wow. You're AP, <laughs> your AP English class, the house down. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, I'm growing my hair like it was when I was single. It was longer than I've known you. I had no money then. I had no worries then at all. <sighs> yeah, like wow. the the lyrical content of this song is actually pretty heartbreaking. It's so. So I good. fix your plate and I stay out of the way. I'm sweating. This song Will is so you good. Stay like this forever. 
right in front of your computer. I don't know how he hits those notes. <laughs> yeah. I also recall now that I that I'm thinking about it that disappear pseudo show that I did go to. I did just get dumped and I definitely made a Facebook post about growing out my hair like it was when I was single when I posted about going to that show. I mean, it's just those are perfect lines. I know. Uh, it's so good. We famously I was just talking about how like when you write as a songwriter, when you write a really good lyric, you earn like a certain amount of time to relax and just lay in bed. That's like a you take a week out of your life. You're like, okay, I just wrote the perfect first verse. I'm going to slay I'm gonna stay in bed for a week. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> I think also second verse, the um, you want to take me out to dinner, you want to bury me under a mound of shopping bags, like it really make a difference or make up for your disinterest. It's like, wow, bitch, go there, go off. I'm a bill you pay. I'm a contract you can't break. And then skip ahead to what is maybe my favorite ever usage of what uh, my friend Scott and I have uh, termed the Oberst vibrato which is uh i just go up and up but i don't ever reach the top (laughs) (laughs) he's throwing that vibrato down all over this record it's so good he can't handle capitalism (laughs) that was that sounded uncanny tim you literally nailed it practiced (laughs) um i but I mean, the end of the chorus even is like fucking epic. That da 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 Yes. Oh, and in the fucking bridge. It's like, goddamn. Yes. I just love the dueling guitars on this one. I love where it starts and the fact that it like goes so high and then it comes right back to that spot and they're just hitting that hitting that riff which just seems like it's the most fun thing to play just back and forth between guitar players Mm -hmm. this whole thing has a really like just live feel to it i don't know if they tracked it all separately but like i always think of a rehearsal space with this record for sure, for sure. The literally like the like the little noodly riff, then like the muted strings, mm-hmm. like parts are just like that's like the icing on the cake for me. Where it's like even that is catchy. Mm-hmm. That's like so part yeah. of it. Oh wow, this song is amazing. I am gonna say something crazy. The song fucks. You know, you might convince me. <laughs> Also, I'm about to close my window. Someone's like literally using like a leaf blower. Like someone's trying to break into your house right now. (laughs) (laughs) On one side, someone's crawling through his window. He has to close it. So, how's your day been, Becca? (laughs) (laughs) Uneventful. Yeah, to say the least. (sighs) How about you? It's been pretty good. Woke up in a mood to do laundry, and I did it. I had so much Sick. laundry. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask what I missed, but I am i don't even want to know. I'm happy with what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to say man and wife, the latter, in parentheses, damaged goods. <laughs> 
fucks? This song certainly fucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I li- I cannot stress enough how embarrassing it is to finally like understand the song from the ground up today in this moment <laughs> in the last ten minutes. It's literally, you know, nobody's perfect. Um. <laughs> All right, track five, Mall of America. Have, have you ever been Tim? Have you ever been to the Mall of America? I have not. I have not. Becca, have you ever been to the Mall of America? Um. This is going to sound really dumb of me, but where is it? It's in Minneapolis. No. (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) I thought maybe it was in D.C., and I remember going to a really big mall in D.C., so just... Did you buy anything cool there? I don't remember. I went to that big mall in D.C. one time. It's a big, cool mall. Did you buy anything cool there? Yeah, I bought a video game. I don't remember which it was. Um, it was a basketball game. I can't remember which one. Oh. It was very boring. You love, you love sports though, don't you? I do. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> My original like nerd obsession, I think, was stats. So I'm. That's just how my brain is. It's like, I, I like knowing stats. Interesting. Wow. Uh, I can't really. I famous. I confessed on your pod that I learned how to count on beads. I can't do math. I don't. Oh, care I held back from asking you more questions about Montessori school because <laughs> I have so many. Ask them now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. Again, I would love. I would love to do a round two because I do want to talk about my my um my much besieged former employer at some point in time just because it's fun but (laughs) yeah i figured that you didn't (laughs) so i didn't really plan for that it's fine you're perfect (laughs) i don't really have a lot to say i really was super uninvolved it was one of those jobs i was always like i can handle more responsibility give me more responsibility and they were like no and i was like okay All right. Um, anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Mall of America. Well, you you've been to the Mall of America, Carl. Please tell us your Mall of America. It's a great story. place. I love it. Um, we parked next to the yellow bean store. They had a huge bean boot outside of it. People were taking pics on it. Immediately, I was sold. I love when anything that's not supposed to be giant is randomly giant. That is incredibly <laughs> my shit. Um, there's a theme park in the middle of the mall. We didn't oh, have the time. Yeah. We were playing a show, but. There was like a SpongeBob ride, I believe. Um, there's all kinds of cool stuff. The Lego store is actually like right in front of the um, the theme park, and the Lego store was really fun. You could take a bunch of like interactive quizzes. These are all probably closed in the age of COVID, but a lot of touchscreen stuff where you could find out what Legos you were. It was really cool. I had a blast there. I want to um, go. I like knowing that you think giant things are hilarious. I literally, that is so incredibly my shit. When I got my stimulus check, I was like, okay, watch me literally blow this on like a mini golf fiberglass statue of like a polar bear or something. (laughs) You know, it's pretty interesting that they have giant polar bears at mini golf. Uh, The the irony, the oxymoron of it all is really strange. It is moronic. I I think growing up like so close to Myrtle Beach where like half the economy is mini golf, I think that that's what started my obsession with like big things like that. that makes sense. I learned where mini golf was invented at my last job and I want to say it was in South Carolina. 
It would make sense. Also, um, Gramland is just like 45 minutes from my house and that's like a huge they're like they make a ton of those things so they like when you drive past Gramland, it's just like tons and tons of those massive fiberglass statues on the lawn and it's really enticing wow yeah actually yeah. it was north carolina yay was home first... state yeah it yeah. just makes Amazing. sense that was the first standardized mini golf course was in pinehurst in 1916 wow 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 Something magic in the Pinehurst air. Fuck Pinehurst. Um, of course. I think I, I think I played a band. I think I did a band thing in Pinehurst in Where is Where the fuck is Pinehurst? Oh, God. This is going to be beautiful I to mean, edit. I am, I'm Googling it. So. Okay, this song opens with uh, a fun line, a couple of fun little stanza. They say it's murder to your folk career to make a rock record with the disappeared, clearly referencing this band um, and what he's actively doing right now. Do you think he talked to a lot of people about making this record beforehand? Do you think his manager was saying this was bad career advice? No, I think the whole thing's made up. This That, <laughs> that first verse is my least favorite thing on the entire record. Um, I don't mind the lyrics, but that melody is just straight Weezer, and I can't, I can't handle that. I never thought about it as Weezer, oh, but you're God, right. it's it just green Weezer. album Weezer. I can't think of how the song sounds. I have to listen to a um, little bit of it. It does kick into a good spot for me. With uh, by a fountain soda, put some sugar on my tongue. <laughs> it's so good. That line is so yeah. good. Yeah, that line is. That line is is that it has that perfect thing where it's like it's literally a good. It's a well written line, but it's also cute, funny imagery that's like funny mm-hmm. and cute. It's cute, funny imagery that's funny and cute. Get that? I never heard of that before. <laughs> Um, but also, it's just like, I don't know. It's just good. It's great. It's an amazing line. I think about it every time I get a fountain soda. Me too, uh, which is uh, not a lot lately, but has been a lot in the past. <laughs> Becca, what's your go-to fountain soda? I don't even like soda. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> She's one of those people that gets Powerade from the soda machine. Seriously, though. That is <laughs> Okay. I'm adding that to the list of really questionable things that you've said on this podcast. I don't. I I'm infamous for not liking soda. I'll drink a ginger ale. Like if I'm forced to drink a soda, it'll be like a clear soda. I don't like the dark sodas. Wow. <laughs> the browner the soda, the better for me. Yeah, I like literally. I would just drink Coke syrup. I support. I support you, Carl. Um, Becca, fucking get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the idea of putting a a dead body in Prada jeans is literally repulsive. (laughs) I hate whenever people talk about, like, like fashion in, in the, like, oh, it's so gross. Like, come on. Come on. Clothes are cool. It's fine. Let, let people do what they do. Yeah, Tivana. Mm-hmm. That's my motto in life. Um, this song, the drums. Talk about some drums sounding like trash cans. Tell you what. Yeah, agree. But, I um, love when I love when drums sound like trash cans. Okay, I think we know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah a lot of the 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 sound of the drums remind me of museum mouth oh okay wow okay thank you big compliment (laughs) yeah no i'm not saying like drums sounding like trash cans is bad i'm just stating a fact the drums sound like trash cans do you think connor oberst went on to write some songs with no soul after this (laughs) (laughs) those sighs oh my god i'm not editing those out those were gorgeous professional (laughs) <laughs> I would personally say he went on to probably write a lot of songs with no soul after this but um, you know I love the Mall of America I think there's a lot of really great things going on in this song I'm just going to say this song rocks why not his vocal melody is different in this song he's like more he's singing rather than just yelling it kind of feels, the, specifically that second verse, the, I'm gonna lie down with the comments out. I mean, yeah, the, now that you say that it's Weezer worship, I get that. But to me, it feels very like Fred Dursty almost, where you feel like you're pointing like this and you're doing this motion, where you're like, one hand in front of the other, <laughs> you're not really pointing at anything. That's the vibe of that gonna to me. move in, gonna move out, hands up, hands down. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do now? You're gonna keep rolling. This is the one that just like I I don't know. I guess I like since day one have like a kind of complex uh, relationship with Connor's Connor, and he can veer into his own where I just kind of shut off a little bit. And this is I think the song on the record that like really I turn a lot off, but not in an engaging way. Not in a like I'm gonna ignore this because it's so great. I'm just like. Dude, come on. Like, you got anything better to talk about than people saying, don't make a rock record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is this just about selling out? I really don't, like, get what what is what is the song about. He just wanted about... to get to that fountain soda line. <laughs> and you know what? It was all yeah, worth it. Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> it's about capitalism <laughs> and selling out. Like, how 21... Just yeah, just learned, really. just fucking took sociology 101, community college. I heard about Marx. I'm going to tell everybody about it like they've never heard it before. I know. that I hate that POV. It drives me crazy. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Becca, how do you feel about the song? Um, uh, I think it, I think it. Uh, I think it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, it sounded like Connor overside you at gunpoint. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that was so... I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> Talk about things that you don't touch as far as editing goes. <laughs> that entire thing stays amazing yeah, that we'll put that we'll put that at the beginning end of the end <laughs> that was so good okay tim you said that song rock nope, right that song is so fine for me <laughs> okay okay <laughs> i'm glad i cleared that up um carl okay. what did you say i said it rocked okay uh, i love the mall of america okay track six the happiest place on earth uh i wanna wanna i don't there's, I have bone to pick with this song. 
I think this is, I think I famously thought this was my least favorite song on the record, and then today I have a new least favorite song on the record, but this song is not. I don't, I, I think this song sucks straight up right at the beginning. I'm going to say that. Yeah, this song is my least favorite. Okay, Becca, talk to me about this song. The mix on this song is just straight up boring. <laughs> uh, and also it's just like capitalism, war, America sucks. Like it always has, always will um i'm i'm over it i'm just yeah. like okay yeah at this point you're beating us all over the head with it like a fucking turkey leg it's like dude shut up this is a song that i skip i have a version of this record that's six songs that i really love and this is definitely not on that six song version of it but yeah that that first line is like i I don't. <laughs> you may. I, I don't. Um, I think that there's some cool parts to it, like um, kind of halfway through the verse when he like changes the delivery a little bit. You know, like I got a letter from the army, so I think that I'll enlist. Um, I'm not brave or proud or nothing. I just want to kill something. I think that's like one. Uh, it's a cool moment in the song for just the way the phrasing changes, but also like some fucking imagery and yeah. very, very good commentary in there. Mm -hmm. But the song, like the chorus isn't strong at all. It feels so like spacey in a not good way. Nothing happens during the chorus, like musically. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, just misses for me. Yeah. It's like, right. I, I, I'm saying this as someone who will probably never write a song even half as good as this, but I will say it does kind of feel like it builds up Carl, to ultimate length. Okay, well, I don't like to... I can't say that. My ego is... is It just is. Um, and anyway, this song, it has that beautiful build-up to the chorus. Like, literally, the drums are... Duh, 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 mm -hmm. duh, 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 and then it just goes... It's yeah. not worth it. The vocal... I feel like the vocal melody could be better there and it just isn't i'm like reading the lyrics now and i'm like oh that's what he says there i truly never cared to learn because it's mm -hmm. not it's i just not. picked up on the dollar and cents line and then i looked up the lyrics for dollars and cents by radiohead and they're kind of talking about the same thing well i don't know that song i know you don't <laughs> couple white guys um, y'all should really listen to this band Radiohead. I don't know if y'all have heard of them. <laughs> Never. Speaking of first concerts, that was my first. I love. Concert. I like listening I to Radiohead when I'm tired of listening to you two. Carl's face. <laughs> I, I didn't know you ever saw Radiohead. That was my first real concert. I went with wow. Graham and my cousin Mitchell in eighth grade, and they were on tour for In Rainbows. Oh wow. Awesome. Yeah, that actually does rock. Um Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the song. Ah <laughs> uh, I think the song I said it sucks. I'm gonna stand by. I have nothing else to say. I think it sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. I think it's fine. I I like parts of it. Um shout out to New Jersey, my home state. So got that. Oh, we didn't know mm. that. Born in, wow. born in Summit County. T. Wow. Okay. So track, uh, track six. No, seven. Seven. Track seven. 
survival of the fittest slash it's a jungle out there yeah so uh i think i i think i was the one who told my friend group that tim casher sings a bunch on this song i think they all thought it was just connor and like a weirder register but these opening lines specifically are sung by this whole first verse i think is all sung by tim casher okay who is that cursive I knew it. I would. <laughs> oh my god! Because I was like, those Snake lines in the crass. Yes, the freaking. I was like, this is straight from a cursive song, and now I know. <laughs> Never knew that. Yeah, surprise, bitch. Amazing. Someone, I think someone was saying that, like, I think it was someone talking about, like, my singing voice being like, you sound like Connor in that song. And I'm like, well, that's not Connor. It's Tim Kasher. <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea how relieved I am. I've, I was, like, scouring the internet earlier today trying to be like, I swear this is another song. Like, just the bridge parts that Tim Kasher is singing. And I was like, it's like, thank you. I think I can, to make it, I'm at peace. <laughs> I'm so sorry to basically ultimately no, interrupt you. Just to say what what I'm about to say is literally the stupidest fucking thing in the world. I was just gonna build off what Tim said about the soda thing. I literally am addicted to to Connor Overs going. He's hungry. I should, I should buy, buy some popcorn. <laughs> 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 that shit is so. Oh my god, it's <laughs> iconic in the craziest way. <laughs> Insane. Oh my god. Insane. <laughs> Best part of the, f- the whole fucking record. Yes. Like, the, the whole thing, that melody is bonkers. And then yeah. just the like emotional weight of he's hungry i should buy some popcorn that lion is like a million years old they took that video (laughs) in like 1930 and you just put some kind of emotion into that thing that we've seen all of our lives oh my god it's so good it's so fucking good yeah it's really good. I actually, I'm such a like a a dirty little slutty hoe for animal imagery, and that whole verse is like chock full of it. Even though it's like obviously like sad and very um, bleak, uh, but it's there's a lot of it in that verse, and that's cool. But they're not actual animals. He's talking about rams and bugs, as in like the cars, and the, the trucks. bobcats are. Oh, the, the, oh! I never even thought about that. What do you call them? A bobcat. <laughs> it does Listeners, this. We're doing some beautiful pantomiming <laughs> where we're pretending to scoop dirt. Uh, oh my god, what do you call Like a backhoe? Backhoe? Is that, is that a backhoe? Uh, that... Scoopy tractor thing. Um, the lion logo, obvious movies, Rams and Bugs. Yeah, that Bugs. is. I never. This is a song. Actually, a lot of this record, even though I have the cd i bought the cd great liner notes by the way oh yeah. really i've never owned the cd um the the front of it is um like tracing paper and the the whole thing is set up like uh like a development plan like it's oh, really wow. really sharp um 
and the lyrics are in there i don't know the the words to a lot of this record even though i've heard it so many times um but yeah looking at the lyrics now it's like oh shit he's throwing in the entire animal kingdom into this <laughs> uh suburban landscape kind of dope he really is it is it's it's well executed mm-hmm. <laughs> um i personally think this song rocks <laughs> Mm-hmm. I this is my favorite song on the record, and I think it fucks. Wow. Okay. I think the song fucks. It's probably my favorite song on the record too. Wow, Kindred Spirits. Oh, it's so good. I co- I love like I love a chorus that just the vocal melody just feels like a sort of sped up verse. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's not much difference in the way that he's singing, but he's just jamming it all in there. It's so yes. good. Oh. Yeah, I love that too. That is like a really cool... When when the chorus is not like necessarily a repeated mm-hmm. section of vocals, it's just kind of like a melody change and the vocals just keep going on whatever tirade mm-hmm. they're on. I like literally love that. Also, for, stop for a moment to just like that... So the end is near some prophecy. Only another again, again, only again. God, he's like, there's there's a swagger to that too. Like he knows this song fucks. Yeah, there's attitude for Mm. sure. Becca, is there anything else you'd like to say about this track? I'm I'm just so happy to learn that it is the cursive (laughs) guy singing. Mr. Cursive. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Cursive himself. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, so good. Sick. Uh, Ning. After Survival of the Fittest, we have the Dollar Sign song, track eight. All right, Tim, I'm going to ask you to go first. How do you feel about Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign? If ha- the song before is not my favorite, this is my favorite. Okay. And I love, I love listening to these two together as as one thing like if this was a if this was a single i would put them both as a double a side that'd be my fucking move okay um, i love this song so much just the the keyboard line is fantastic i think he's just like alternating between notes uh yeah great open um I don't know the whole thing. The whole thing. I feel like, dare I say, musically, this is kind of this kind of paved the way for where they were heading musically with Paola. This song kind of feels like it's doing what a lot of the songs on Paola did musically. I also have not listened to that record probably since it came out, but in my mind, this is like the stepping stone to that. Am I crazy? I think it would probably be more like, how did we do this again? Oh, let's put this on. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Let's let's go for that. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. That makes but sense. on that on that note, I think that one of the like more powerful aspects of this record is that it's intended to be a one-off. This is not ever going to be the thing that takes over, like Connor. So I feel like a lot of the performance vocally has that in mind. Like I'm throwing literally everything into this band. We're making one record. Like, I don't think that there was anything planned for after this. And I think with that, there's a lack of restraint. 
Yeah, it's like life and death at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that, which is that's amazing to make a record like that. I bet that is a really good feeling and really cool. Okay, Becca, how do you feel about dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign? Um, the drums feel so very museum mouth to me in this song. I literally see Carl. Drumming, <laughs> my caveman ass. Um, the tambourine. Uh, I wrote craziest tambourine. Like the player just drank a cold brew. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the this is like going back to Tokyo Police Club and the factory uh, imagery and talking about like the factory. Um, but I was laughing earlier because I'm looking at the genius page and the last line is under the golden arch, which I'm like, hmm, it's annotated. I wonder if they're talking about McDonald's and then you click on it and it's just a picture of a McDonald's sign with the sun on it and the background is like a stormy sky. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I, my internet is not loading, but I want to see it. It sounds beautiful. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's the cover photo for this episode of this podcast. We'll definitely include it. We'll definitely include it. Oh, but this song kind of, I mean, it likes, it's it's like an economics lesson, I guess. It's not my favorite. I will say that. But it's not, I don't hate it. Um, I mean, it's a solid song. Tim, I like that you gravitate towards these songs that don't have choruses. Like, like lyrical choruses Uh, yeah i guess that that's kind of true um i mean there's like there's so much meat on these bones like in the verses yeah too that um just that like the way it hangs at the end of the first one just i swear i swear i i i swear that it is Uh, yeah we missed the part in uh one of the early songs where he's just reading numbers CC one, CC two, CC three, sixty four, sixty five. I don't it's remember. It's in the second that. or third song. Okay. You can hear it in the background. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know the um, those like ringing out notes, like they can make our shoes, and then we'll walk on you, and then, and then that's the chorus part. I love that sort of shit. Let the music do the chorus. I'm learning so much about you by having you on my own podcast, which is great. (laughs) Have you ever been interviewed on your own podcast? Has anyone ever turned the tables on you? David Anthony did, episode number 100. I think I even listened to that. I just, again, I I told you this when I was on your pod, but I, like, experienced crazy trauma this year, so now I have no... I don't... My memories, I have to dig them up. Totally. But, yeah, that's... That's fun. Tim, Tim, Tim. Okay. Uh, I think I don't have a lot to say about the song. I think this song is fine. <laughs> There's more soda imagery in the first. I think he's addicted first. to soda. Cola trickling down my throat. Oh, I love. I, I don't know. I love the like I'm overcome with ambition. Like that that idea that he's like in a sort of character of like trying to get a leg up. Um. And this is how you make it in the corporate world. I find that to be a, like better commentary on capitalism than like all the other shit that's on this record. 
Yeah, it doesn't. It feels more lived and less just kind of like uh, I know that capitalism exists, mm-hmm. which is cool. We, I, I respect that. Um, my internet is all royally fucked up now because well, I want to see that McDonald's pick I'll so bad. Oh, McDonald's pick. I got sunlight, well, so I, go, I put my I put my shades on. Um, <laughs> you look iconic. Thank you. You're so welcome. The uh, the sample that like clip compilation of infomercial stuff that comes at the end of this song is so fucking funny yeah it is it's goofy billy mays is in it and (laughs) rest in peace like pre-irony billy mays too that's a good point i love i love the guitars in this song too sorry i'm talking a lot but i think this song fucks and y'all think it's fine i gotta represent yeah, defend your your child. <laughs> I love the guitars. Um, they're like so spastic, and like so many of the leads are like waiting until like the very last like eighth note to jam as many notes as you can. In a, yeah, to like that. have that pop of melody right at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, yeah, that is pretty cool. Oh wow! Well, what do you think of the song, Carl? I don't. I just had. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this song. I'm gonna reveal something so embarrassing. I have such a, a, a flea's attention span that even on a record with only nine songs, by track eight, I'm like, okay, no, I, no, I'm falling out of this. Um, That's why my six song EP is where it's at. <laughs> that is or a 19 song or a 19 minute full length mm-hmm. yeah that's like my vibe but i don't know i think i just i don't think i spent a lot of time with the song because i think when i was most into this record as a listener i was obsessed with like a real chorus like a capital c chorus so i'm sure that if i kept listening to this record after today um that song would grow on me a lot but at this very moment speaking from my pov uh, i think it's fine okay i think that leads us oh sorry I didn't say my verdict. I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I think it is also fine. <laughs> oh my god, Becca! Someone in the parking lot does not agree. Okay, number nine. Yeah, track nine, closing track. Speaking of mini golf, song called Hole in One. <laughs> so. Okay, Becca, I, I, I'll reserve my judgment for the end. Becca, how do you feel about this song? Um, the guitar tone, we kind of venture into like 8-bit territory here, which is interesting. Um, I the, Yeah, there's like a ring mod on this shit for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's another song about selling out. There's another misheard lyric where he is yelling uh oh where is it my big house i thought he was saying las vegas (laughs) (laughs) at the end i'm trying to find it it's the very last line yes to clean up yeah my big house i thought he was saying las vegas so you thought this was commentary on living in las vegas um i um I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics, (laughs) but he's explaining all the amenities of his house, and it sounds like the apartment complex I currently live at, which is funny. Um, Yeah. Tennis courts, swimming pool. Love it. Yeah, she's she's bougie listeners. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, oh, my God. Like, 
I don't know, I'd sell myself to buy a fucking house. Yeah, you like, I want to buy a house. I'm not going to buy a fucking mansion, but that's like where he goes. And I'm like, you're so impractical. Yeah, like, just be realistic, <laughs> you stupid bee. <laughs> and then in the end, they like do the fake out thing where you're like, oh, it's over. No, no, just kidding. It's over. And she's like, no. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim Crisp, how the fuck do you feel about Hole in One by Desaparecidos? I'm kind of soft on it. Um, I think for me, the previous two songs are just so good. And if it were up to me, the, the record would kind of end there. Um, and this one, it... Oof, I don't know. I think that I'm just like literally spent by the time this song comes on. Yeah. And I don't know. It doesn't really have like the guitars are cool. There's a lot of like cool leads. Um, there's just not as much to chew on with this one. And also it's I don't understand the point of view, I guess, because it seems like he's talking about himself but also it seems like there's a character involved there i don't know yeah there's like i don't know i i will i will okay my beautiful turd i will say that i didn't again beautiful turd my beautiful turn turn it's my turn to talk my beautiful turd i like that a lot i think those are beautiful (laughs) words together but that's not what um it's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about bell movements. This song, I didn't, I didn't, I don't love this song. I don't think I ever loved this song. I think I used to, um, I used to mind and put up with this song, but listening to it today, I was like, okay, literally I'm gagging. This is so bad. I think the vocal melody is so incredibly rushed. There's absolutely nothing catchy about it whatsoever. It like repulsed, the first verse repulsed me. Am I dramatic in saying that? You're dramatic in everything you say. I just think it's like so bad. I don't think that the melody is terrible. It starts out really strong. I see. I I disagree. I think the song melodically, lyric, talking about the vocal melody, Mm -hmm. I think it starts off a hot mess and gets better as it goes. Interesting. But I think that the lyrics actually get worse as the melody gets better because we've got these lines where he's like clearly talking shit about some woman uh, where he's just talking about her being an activist and how like she's uh oh i hate that part yeah won't eat their food or wear their clothes always wants to know where her money goes but will shell it out for filling up her nose i'm like girl yeah like uh, look inward (laughs) which is crazy because like on uh I'm wide awake. It's morning. He's got that line about you keep going to the bathroom. Like it takes one to know one. I think you got it bad. Yeah, the lewiness of it all. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what it was two years before that made him like hate on I it. I mean, personal growth can happen at any rate as long as it's happening that's like cool and good but i do think that that is really off-putting in my opinion yeah um especially maybe now i probably didn't even pick up on it back in the day but um yeah i don't know it's it's nasty and then uh there's like just some other 
He does a, another. He does another one of your beautiful vibrato. The dream <laughs> is dead, <laughs> um, which is fine. I don't know. Um, yeah, the house. Becca, what you said about the house imagery. It's like literally just buy a normal house. You don't have to buy a mansion. <laughs> stupid um and then uh, there's one other thing one other bone to pick i had about this the um well i should talk i'm just the same buy my records down on the corporate train i tell myself i shouldn't be ashamed but i am i'm like okay that's the epitome of being 21 if your records are good enough to be fucking sold at like tower records or sam goody like you are proud you're not ashamed you're proud you love that I thought he was saying that he buys his, he buys his records at the corporate chain. Okay, well, you could be right. <laughs> <laughs> Me literally choking on humble pie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, you're it, even then. It's like, but he's pointing out the whole like corporate chain of it all. In the grand scheme of things, it's, uh, I mean, the song is all over the place, but it all comes down to corporate America, you know, and um, <laughs> soda. Yeah, this is ultimately is a concept record about soda, and for that, um, I think this record... He was pissed that the government got concerned about how giant our drink sizes were and when oh. government started getting involved with like okay we have a problem people are buying sodas in like gallon cups this is an issue and he was not having any of that and so sparked the messaging of this entire album yeah i think the original title <laughs> was um drink soda eat trans fats <laughs> oh my god thanks everybody good night <laughs> <laughs> fucking christ uh, that was really funny uh, one thing i will say um <laughs> is that this is gonna sound a little a little silly um for something to come out within six months of 9-11 and to be as anti-war as this was and like really pointing the finger at America there there was a significant period of time really like up until like yeah this uh war with Iraq thing's gonna we we lied um you could like not a lot of people were saying that at all so there there is a good amount of like i think gumption that goes into some of the these things um but the soda the soda stuff is a, a little bit silly I, I i totally agree i think that this is kind of like a run connor his flowers moment because like i there's there's talk about how they delayed the release of this record because of 9-11 but then they still ended up putting it out and there's like a quote on the wiki about how it was a commercial bomb because of the timing i just, in general it's like i don't think it was ever going to be a commercial success to begin with i think that it hit at the perfect time to be a cult classic um and yeah i think it's ballsy i think it's cool but in general i have a lot of interesting qualms i don't think it has aged miraculously by any means um i think this song is i think this song actually sucks in my opinion um but yeah, well, I let's close the book on the record, then we can talk at the end about how we feel about the overall thing. How's that sound? Mm-hmm. Uh, Becca, how do you feel about this song? 
Um, I honestly forget it exists. I usually stop after track seven, to be honest. So, um, okay. uh, <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just sucks okay yeah cause Tim. I just like I don't oh. it like doesn't exist in my head she pays it no mind <laughs> I'm gonna say it's fine it also doesn't exist as much in my head I think dollar sign is like that's it that's the end of the record and then like this is kind of the the credits music that, oh my god, that's a really great way to... It does. It literally sounds like credits music. Never um, never come up with that one before, but yeah. Wow. Amazing. Breakthrough on our beautiful little pod. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the end of the album. Before we deliver a final verdict, is there anything anyone wants to say? I feel like you just did an amazing job of kind of pointing out the timing of all of this, Tim. So I respect you for doing that, and I totally agree. You um, know this record and glitter the film starring mariah carey kind of share that same storyline of coming out right during and after 9-11 and therefore bombing (laughs) because of that event in history Um, i don't think i i don't think i ever analyzed the timeline of glitter as it related to 9-11 oh that is like what mariah care that is every critic that has talked about glitter i mean it does have like one star on rotten tomatoes it is has terrible reviews (laughs) on on a platform where they rate on percentages as one star (laughs) um but like i think mariah carey is like it did so bad because it it went out right when 9-11 happened there's that famous pic of the glitter billboard and then the background are like the towers being Whoa. like up in smoke. I'm gonna find it and send it in the group chat. I totally derailed I... this conversation. Yeah, I've never I seen that. Expect... That rules. I did not expect to be talking about Mariah Carey at all in this episode, but Mariah um... Carey can say what she wants about she how yeah. anything she that's dramatic. ever happened happened. She's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly talented. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Can I just drag this into the chat? Oh my god. <laughs> um, Tim. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to say about this record before we deliver our final verdict? I love this record so much. Um, it's kind of it's funny how it became a bit of a like cult favorite, just with how big lifted was at the time and like everything that came out on saddle creek this is you know i'd say a few years after this came out like saying that read music speak spanish was your favorite thing that connor had ever done was sort of a hot take but it was cool to see it get like a rejuvenated status over the uh you know last few years i think it it ages the same way most Connor Oberst material ages, where you're just like, eh, some of these things are kind of bogus. But it's—I don't know—it's—it's it's a very of its own piece of material. 
I agree. I think it stands beautifully on its own. I don't think this band ever needed to reunite and make more music. I'm not mad that they did. I enjoyed Paola more than I ever expected to. Um, I think you're right. I think Connor Oberst is such a of-the-time songwriter that his music does age on its own kind of curve. Um, I love this record. Sonically, again, I still to this day use this record as mixed reference. I just simply think that if you're making a distorted, oh my God, this image... Um, I, if you're making a distorted kind of punk rock, capital R rock record, um, this is this is how it sounds best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tim, did you get the image? It's like loading and taking a really long time. I don't want to hold everybody up. Okay. Well, perfect. All I'm going to say now is we have reached the end end. Um, so we're going to deliver a final verdict. Tim, I'm going to count to three, and then you're going to say either it rocks it sucks, it fucks, or it's fine. Okay? We all do it at the same time. Okay. <laughs> you look nervous. You can't okay. tell I'm wearing right. sunglasses. I, mean, you can, I can see through them. They're not that dark. <laughs> the lines, the blinds. <laughs> I know. I never it's record really... this late. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry we're torturing Oh no, you. it's fine. Okay, ready? One, two, three. It it's rocks. rocks. Wow. Carl, it's fine. I mean, I just don't think I don't I the lyr- lyrically it just drives me up a wall now. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I'm like to the point where like I I could not write a social commentary song if my life depended on it because my like personal life is like so the forefront of what I would, would want to be writing about that I just can't it just feels contrived. Mhm. But musically god, I love this album. <laughs> I'm changing my answer. I think it fucks. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> oh, Tim, this was so fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, Anytime. boy. I'm so happy to be on a podcast that I don't have to edit. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was curious about how much editing went into an episode of Better Yet. Um, and now I know. <laughs> not a ton. Yeah, not a ton, not a ton. Okay, Tim, where can people find you online? Um, my website is betteryetpod.com. Uh, all of my podcasts are there. Better yet, uh, Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio with David Anthony. Um, better yet, podcast.bandcamp.com. Uh, oh, I'm at Better Yet Pod on Twitter. You can find me there. You have a good Twitter feed. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like your takes. That's, your takes are good. nice of you to say. Yeah, you're like someone whose opinion on things I like really like revere and respect. So when you weigh in on something, I'm like, okay, this is good to know. That's the best thing that (laughs) happened to me all day. Shut the fuck up. Uh, Okay, thanks for listening to Rockstar Sucks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. God, I just got that picture. It Rocks or It Sucks is produced and edited by Becca High and Carl Kuhn. It's mixed and mastered by Becca High. You can follow the pod on Instagram or Twitter at It Rocks or It Sucks. Thanks for listening and feel free to like, follow, rate, review, share, do whatever you want. Bye. <laughs>